welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble. And today, today is a good day. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful leader with me, a, a, a new friend of the show. And I'm hoping a new friend of mine, too, because, you know, it's a show of me or not the same thing. Mr. David Knorr. He is the CEO of his own organization. He has authored 11 books. They've been translated into eight different languages. That's amazing. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. Look, David has been the game for over 30 years, helping leaders and organizations grow their relationship capital and ultimately be more and more successful. There is nothing more for me to say than, how you doing, David? Alex Tremble, it is good to be with you. I need more friends like you in my life, right? Can we, can we take <laughs> this on the road and just have you, enjoy, for whatever, if I'm walking in the room, I want Alex Tremble to introduce me. <laughs> very kind. Very look, look, I was just talking to Dave before we got started. If you're listening to the podcast, look, you know, keep listening. I, I, I want that, you know, those pings from the podcast, but then jump on YouTube because you look good, sir. You, you are looking fresh. You're looking clean right there. I love your camera setup. I, I appreciate it. As mentioned, <laughs> when the pandemic first hit, I, I had this inclination that, you know, I wasn't going to get on the road anytime soon. So we invested in a, a digital SLR and lighting and, and this nice rig. And joking aside, we'll talk about this. Digital is, is, I mean, it's an example of something that, Alex, I honestly don't think is going to go away. Yeah. And two years into this, you get on calls with some people that are still using their laptop camera that looks up their nostril. And you just it just looks like amateur hour. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, digital is here to stay. So the sooner you learn, mm -hmm. the sooner you elevate, upgrade, amplify, enhance yeah. your digital presence, I think it's going to contribute to your brand. So, you know, look, this is not where I'll plan on going, but because you brought this here, I want to talk about investment. Mm -hmm. um, I saw this meme. Now, memes are always, you know, they're, they're not always great context, but they had the picture and it said, it said, billionaires invest and lose millions to gain billions. It says, um, millionaires invest and lose thousands in order to gain millions. Uh, and then it says, people who, who don't have those, um, who aren't millionaires, uh, who are broke, actually, it says broke. And people who are broke don't want to risk or lose anything, but they want to become rich. Now, look. Everyone, please don't cancel me. I realize that there's systems, there's these things in place that, that, that contribute to people not being successful. Absolutely. And the reality is still, in order to be successful, you have to, it seems, to invest in yourself and be willing to risk something. So I'd like to start with you. You just talked about, you got in the game. You invest a good sum of resources into this, your setup. What should people be willing to invest in order to get them to that next level? Yeah, I I, uh, I want you and your audience to think about the, the research and development, the R&D function mm. of a company. So if a manufacturing company, if a, if a pharmaceutical company doesn't invest in that R&D, doesn't invest in research and development of new products, new services, Alex, they're not going to remain relevant. So if you think of yourself as the CEO of your own brand, of your own company, of your own 
uh, success. There's three types of investments that, in my experience, will always pay dividends, will always give you a phenomenal return. Number one, in your own education, in your own training, in your own development. That is something that my parents drove into me that no one can ever take away from me. So I have an insatiable appetite to learn, and I'm constantly investing in uh, online training courses, executive education courses. I I paid for my own undergrad. I paid for my own grad school. I have aspirations to go get a PhD. That education of any kind is something nobody can ever take away from you. Number two, your own brand. That that athletic mark that we overpay for, that the can of sugar water out of Atlanta that we overpay for, it's to have a the ten dollar cup of coffee. Those brands have value, and your name is your biggest brand. So when you invest in a great website, when you invest in really good marketing, I hate flimsy business cards. I always pay extra for a for a heavier stock of business card because I don't yeah. want to hand a business card to anybody and have them. Be flimsy. Those are yeah. all part of your brand, your website, your, again, marketing material represents who you are. That's the world's window into you. And the third one is your relationships. Investing in fewer, but really quality relationships are the ones that will pay dividends. They will elevate your condition, your position, your access, your opportunities, those three I've deeply believed in. And my formula is a simple one. 10% of every dollar that comes in, I set aside. I don't touch it. That's my investment money. That's the investment mm-hmm. that I put back in, to whether it's a digital camera or, or technology or tools yeah. or better marketing or better resources. That's my investment back into me, my business, my brand, my capabilities. Look. Oh God, look, all three of those we could spend hours talking about. Okay, let's 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 work backwards. Um, that investment one. Look, I'm with you. I'm a hundred percent with you. But I feel like many people feel like that's extra. Mm. Like I still remember before I had my business going, going, sure. like I still went on and bought my URL, right? I, I alextrimble.com and now I'm using it, but I wanted to have a space, a place where people could find me very easily if they wanted to learn about me. But a lot of people feel like, hey, that's that's extra. Is is that extra, David? It's it's extra compared to what? Right. Mm. Extra compared to that cup of coffee, extra compared to that vacation, extra compared to uh, if we're talking about food and medicine and your Mm -hmm. basic necessities. Sure. But I am baffled by the trade offs people will make. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've always said, give me somebody's checkbook and their calendar, and that can tell you where their priorities are. Mm. Think about it a second. We invest Mm. in, we put money into things we believe are a priority. I pay a mortgage because I want to keep my house and that's a priority. I I don't have car payments. I've learned from my dad, you know, pay cash for your cars, buy decent cars, take care of them till they die, then donate them and take the tax write off. Right. So... (laughs) So my, my son, my 18-year-old son is driving the car we brought him home from the hospital in. It's a, it's a, it's a SUV, it's a Toyota that got 250,000 miles on it. And you know what? It still runs and we still, but when we're ready to buy him the next car, I'm going to write a check for it. And he's been saving and I've been saving. And so is there a cost when you invest? Absolutely. What's the cost of not investing? What's the cost of a prospective customer coming to a website that looks like it's 10 years old? By the way, Mm -hmm. average lifespan of a website is about three years. The technology changes, the look, Mm -hmm. feel of them change. 
your, you know, again, your marketing material, your, your brand. Are you putting your ideas out there? This podcast is a good example of Alex Tremble putting his ideas and putting his conversations with guests out there. These are all contribute to your brand. And you want that brand to be perceived as valuable. It doesn't have to be expensive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a premium, but it's got to convey value. And that's what's going to draw people in. So I push back on that's extra compared to what? Me not doing that? Yeah. Um, and it just goes to trade-offs. And just one other data point for you and your audience. I, I, I heard this long time ago and it stuck with me. Budgets are seldom a financial issue. Budgets are always a priority issue. Mm, mm, mm. So what, what are you choosing to prioritize mm. that you're going to put not just money, but time and effort mm-hmm. into? Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA group term life insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. I was talking to one of my guests the other day. Um, I was telling him, I, I, I'm, I'm a literalist. I am a literalist. So someone says something, I'm going to hold him to it. And when someone says, I can't do it, I'm like, hold on. Do, do you really mean that word? Is, is it I can't or I won't, right? Because like you said, we, we all prioritize. And most things we can do, we just choose not to do. And we got to be honest with ourselves. And, and you and I were also talking about our spouses who mm. have a very, very, uh, na- you know, just to have a knack for keeping us humble. Uh, but, but my, you know, when I was, this is going back 20 years, I was interviewing for different jobs and I couldn't find anything I got really excited about. And my wife of now 27 years says, what do you want to do? And I said, I honestly think I want to go on my own. She said, do it. I said, honey, we might be poor for a while. I don't care. Do it. Because if that's what makes you happy, you're going to be excited about it. You're going to love what you do. It's not going to feel like work. And I don't want you to be one of those people that goes to, you know, God bless the nine to five people. But I don't want you to be one of those people that comes home and is miserable every day. So, again, early on, yeah, there wasn't much. There wasn't much in a checking account. There wasn't much cash to go around because you're building and and you're you're establishing yourself and you're trying to get clients and you're trying to leverage your relationships and you're investing. It's actually a diminishing return because you're putting money in, but you're not getting any back. But you know what? It's an investment. You're building a house. You're building a solid foundation. I'm blessed. I haven't had to cold call anybody in years because of the repeat or referral work. And you do a good job for a client, they keep coming back or they introduce you to others that they want you to help. And that's what that investment gives you. The return on that investment is word of mouth. And it's you know referrals and introductions and people read your you know article or listen to your stuff and they come asking for your help so yeah i struggle same thing i struggle when people you know and say i can't is it really can't or you're not willing you're not you, willing you, to do that you you know what you know what let's 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 continue down that road um we we you talked about um that repeat business there's a lot of people who believe that in order for your organization to be successful, you have to always be bringing in new clientele, new business. And we tend to forget that, hey, if we got some business. Let's, let's keep them as customers. And if you translate to that to relationships, 
right? Like you were saying earlier, having fewer relationships, but high quality relationships, then how about you, you have those fewer relationships, they're high quality because you're, you're really delivering and providing value to those relationships. Alex, I'm a huge believer of that. And I've been an advocate of that for several years. If you and your audience think about this global pandemic, we didn't spend more time with more people. We actually spend more time with fewer people. But it was the people that we knew and we liked and we trusted and we exchanged value with, not necessarily monetarily, but you knew you were better off because you were talking to them or working with them or wanted to help them. Right. So I I push back against this myth that you need more. You need more contacts. You need more mm-hmm. right connections. I need more customers. No, you really don't. You need better. Yeah. You need deeper. You need yeah. more authentic. You need more real. And my supposition, which by the way, we've proven now several times, is that if you focus on fewer, but the right ideal relationship profile, people that have similar values that you do, people who value what you bring, people who need what you bring, then you're much more likely to reduce your acquisition, customer acquisition costs. Mm-hmm. You're going to build more loyalty with those customers. You're going to really focus on the lifetime value of that customer. It's it's going to be a heck. Of, you have, I, I read a fascinating research paper recently that says you've got one in something like eight chance of getting new business from an existing relationship and something like one in 30 of someone who doesn't know you as well. Mm-hmm. Imagine the time cycle, the time frame. Imagine the cost, the effort, the hoops. Now, I don't know of a business that doesn't need net new business, but ideal on my back of the napkin number is always around 60, 40, right? So ideally, 60% of your business comes from existing relationships, existing customers, repeat or referral work. 40% allows you to stay hungry, go out there and look for engaged net Mm -hmm. new Mm -hmm. customers. So if you're not getting repeat business, if you're not getting referral business, this would be a really good time to ask, why is that? Because every recommendation, every referral is a recommendation. Mm-hmm. And if people are not referring you, yeah. are they reluctant about recommending you? That would be something to kind of look into now. But, but it goes back to, again, fewer, more authentic, deeper relationships than I just need a whole bunch of useless contacts that are not going to return my calls and emails. I mean, again, I want to just keep diving into this. I, there's an example I love, I love using. Are, are, you a, um, are you a Dragon Ball Z fan by any chance? I, I, I don't know what that is. Okay, great. That works perfectly. Okay, so if I gave you a Dragon Ball Z shirt, um, how excited would you be about it? Uh, depends on the quality of the shirt, but I probably wouldn't know much about it. That's the point, right? We, we love to give people things that we value, and we are upset when they don't value at the same level. Right. <laughs> if I want to give you something of value, I should ask you, what do you value? And then provide that, right? Like who you're talking <laughs> unequivocally, yes. And 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 people think they do other people favors when they toss something over the wall without exactly what you said. I've always said convey your credibility to the questions you ask. So if you ask better questions and better understand that which that other person cares about, that which they value, as you said, that which they need and want in their lives, then you can focus on, well, I can't give them a Mercedes-Benz, but you know, what what if I introduce them to someone? What if I there's something else that I could do that could lead to that outcome. But if you don't understand the outcome, the results, the objectives people are after, you're throwing darts in the dark and you're trying to help. You're trying to be helpful. And the frustration from the giver standpoint is look at the hoops I just jumped through to make mm-hmm. that happen. 
Mm-hmm. And yet that person didn't, yeah, it was nice. It was okay. Because you didn't do your due diligence or homework up front to figure out, as you said, what's a value? What's of interest? What's, what is it that they cannot do themselves? Yeah. What is it that they don't know how to do? What is it that they don't have the resources to do that you brought and they feel the better off because they know you, because they work with you? Well, you know, I, 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 I want to talk about this other topic. And I've been talking about it for a while. And I love that you've been talking about it. The future of work. The future of work. Now, yeah. I know what I'm thinking about when I say the future of work. I'd like to hear about you. What do you think about the future of work? Let me, uh, let me answer that question this way. Full disclosure, I'm 54. I've been thinking a lot about what will my work look like in the next 10 years. I, I don't envision retiring. Mm-hmm. I'd probably slow down or I may decide to shift gears and go teach at a university or some other facet of that. But I was really focused on, and I and embarked on this research about four years ago, how do you remain relevant mm-hmm. over time? And especially in our hyper digital, always on go, go, go world, this pandemic proved, you know, there are these forces that are going to ultimately alter either as headwind, tailwind, or turbulence, the way we work, how we define work, how we value work, the way we work. So I started down this path of researching and we identified 15 forces. That's the entire chapter two of my latest book called Curvebenders of forces that are going to impact the way we work. And then I thought, okay, so how do you remain relevant? You have to continue to learn and grow. Again, pre-pandemic, a lot of companies weren't a video culture, right? They weren't, they weren't used mm-hmm. to having video calls. Mm-hmm. They all got in a meeting and they were all maybe in the same building or the same floor and they would just go down the hall and suddenly now everybody's working from home and they still have to find a way to meet and collaborate and get things done, right? So they figured out quickly how to use mediums like this with cameras and audio and and become a video culture. So learning and growth, I believe, is your only sustainable advantage in the future of work. So as work changes, as how we work, how we define work changes, your ability to learn quickly and more importantly, apply that learning to solving problems is what's going to keep you relevant. So on that journey, there's only two paths, I believe, to get there. One is what's called a linear growth. Think of it as a truck ramp, 45 degrees. And uh, Alex, a really good example of this is on your undergraduate degree. I don't know about you, but it's been a while since I've looked at differential <laughs> calculus. Right? It just took it once, you know, got through it. And it's a classic case of learn, 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 learn. Maybe in some point in the future, you'll apply it. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that model is sustainable. It's relevant in our world. So the other option is what's called the nonlinear growth, which looks like a hockey stick. And an example of that is I don't need to go to MIT to get a four-year computer science degree. I just want to learn how to code to solve a problem. By the way, I can learn how to code in about 30 days. There's a lot of plethora of sources that I can learn for free. The goal is learn how to do that, solve a problem, then learn the next thing, solve the next problem. That immediate Learning to the application of that learning is makes creates that nonlinear growth. Here's the best part. And for your audience, here's the spoiler alert. Curve benders are relationships that accelerate your path up that curve. Easiest way to describe that, <sighs> imagine you wanting to learn how to do something, work on your car, yeah. replace a door or window. You could certainly read. You could certainly watch some YouTube videos. What if I introduce you to Joe, who's a good friend of mine? who does that for a living, 
And he came over and showed you how to do it. Mm -hmm. Relationships mm -hmm. can accelerate our learning and growth in any topic up that journey, up that curve. Those relationships are called curve bend. And they dramatically, if not profoundly, accelerate our journey from now to next. Where we are today, where we're trying to get to, they accelerate that path and help us achieve things that sometimes we believe are not achievable. Does that make sense? Does that resonate? You and I are cut from the same cloth. We are related somehow, some way, because that is what I was about to say as well. Like, David, even for those people who are saying right now, you know what? I'm pretty forward thinking. I, I stay on top of the curve. I challenge you. I challenge you. Are, are you are you growing as quickly and as fast as fast and effectively as you could be? Even me, and I'm being real right now with everybody. Look, I know that I'm not always the quickest adopter of technology. I, I'm just I'm just not that guy. I'm old fashioned. So I intentionally put myself around people, those relationships we're talking about, who are going to continually push me to keep growing in those areas. These relationships, as you're saying, are so critical, not only, yes, absolutely to our professional growth, but I think also to every aspect of our life, to be better parents, to be better friends, be better um, uh, spouses, and just be around people who are really, what I love to say is exceptional, exceptional at what they do. Yeah. And I got to tell you, one of the most admirable qualities that I've observed in leaders are the ones that have an insatiable appetite to learn mm. and they surround themselves with people who bring very different knowledge skills to the table regardless of their age so i i, I talked to a ceo of a technology cybersecurity company and he said you know most of the people here could be my kids but i spend as much time with them as i can listening watching observing asking questions and they, on a daily basis, astonish me with what they do and how they do it. And it, it makes me challenge a lot of my own status quo. So fun, quick story. We just bought my daughter a, a new car and she's a third year college student and she's got a job this summer. So beyond the family car, she needed something to go back and forth. The car that we bought her, I'll, I'll stay away from brands and all that, but came with a key, but it's the push button start. Mm -hmm. And the entire car can run on an app. Oh, wow. So her and her brother downloaded the mobile app. She can lock it. She can unlock it. She can turn it on she, from the app. She can. And she showed us all this. She can turn on the AC, turn on the heater, cars, you know, heaters, the seat heaters, on and on and on and on. And it's just a small glimpse into what is to come. And if you don't embrace, as you said, if you don't embrace new technologies, new ways of doing things, you're going to find yourself spending a lot more time and effort defending the status quo yeah. versus challenge. And the more you hold on to those sacred beliefs, I have to have a key to drive yeah. a car. No, you really don't. And here's an just a small example of the enormous amount of learning and growth that's available to all of us. Are you burying your head in the sand mm -hmm. and saying blockchain and crypto and that stuff is not relevant to me, so I'm not going to spend any time on it? Or are you jumping in with both feet and saying, you know what? I'm intrigued. I'm yeah. interested. I want to learn more. I don't know what NFTs are, and I, you know, I'm probably not going to mortgage the house to put behind one of these, <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to go learn because good chance Bank of America 
know something that you may not know. Mm. And that's why they have the largest patents filed on blockchain technology. Not Amazon, not Facebook, mm. not Meta, not Google, Bank of America. Yeah. So technology is just one facet of just this evolutionary world we live in. And you cannot, cannot let yourself become complacent, cannot say that's not going to impact me, cannot coming back full circle, ever stop investing in your own personal and professional growth. You know, again, real story. I just um, I actually just was accepted to be a fellow of the Aspen's Institute's um, Socrates program. And we are allowed to choose what course to go down in, in this fellowship. And I selected Meta because I don't know anything about it. And I know that being around thought leaders in that area mm. is like you said earlier, it's going to jumpstart me, like rev me. I could read Yeah, I could read a book. I could listen to a YouTube video. But how about let's spend three days, four days together in a room with some of the, the smartest people in the country doing this stuff? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to learn more there. And on, just on that note, and again, you know, think of robots and how everybody's fear is robots are going to replace you know, everything from, you know, fast food restaurant mm -hmm. workers to cleaning to a, a lot of that stuff is low value, mundane work. Mm -hmm. Number two, there's still a lot that robots cannot do. Number three, with every technological evolution, all kinds of, we're talking about future of work, all mm -hmm. kinds of new jobs emerge, all kinds of new opportunities and new educational paths emerge. And regardless of your socioeconomic status, there's often opportunities. Uh, there's a um, organization here in town that took predominantly girls and women, predominantly from inner city, black, mm -hmm. brown, less represented communities, and over a six month period have taught them the cybersecurity space. Yeah, yeah. And is helping them. Those that used to make minimum wage now get 50 and 75K annual jobs as cybersecurity experts. Mm -hmm. And as assets to the industry, and because there's not enough of them, and it's a field that is just Alex not going to go away, and it's going to continue to as more of our worlds become so digitally oriented, it's going to continue to become more prevalent in all of our lives. Absolutely. So it goes back to what we've been talking about, which is you cannot afford not to invest in your own reinvention, your own growth, and professional development journey in this process. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have feds protection professional liability insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. And I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. I'd like to go back to your, your daughter's vehicle, that space age vehicle she has. Um, you know, and again, I want to be very careful how I say this. Okay, research shows. 70% of opportunities of jobs are never actually published. Mm. Of that 70%, 80% are 
are filled in what I like to call the black market. That is, they are filled via relationships, right? So we're talking about relationships. And if, so if, if we know that the people who, who, who are able to excel and, and get into the, those most high paid positions and influential positions, we, if we know they're doing it by relationships, why would we not invest in that? Because, because the reality is, is that there's a lot of people who likely can't afford to get those types of resources, right? No, no question. And, and, and that's why when we, when we first started talking about investment, I said, investment in your own education, investment in mm-hmm. your brand, investment in your relationships. So my kids are now 20 and 18. Ever since they were younger, I, I taught them just like my parents taught me, the relationships you identify build, nurture, mm-hmm. double down on. You're often the product of the five closest people to you. So that ecosystem, that yeah. inner circle influences how you think, influences how you speak, influences where and how you travel, influences how you live, influences your values and what you choose to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody that would make investments blindly. Yet, uh, Alex, I am baffled by how little attention most people pay to that inner circle, to that ecosystem that they surround themselves with. Are they sharper than you? Are they smarter than you? Are they more accomplished than you? Are they more intelligent than you? Are they all of these things will push you Mm -hmm. to raise the bar, to level up on stop watching Netflix and read. (laughs) Right. I appreciate our hometown sports team, but they've never done anything for me. So to spend four hours, please, thank you, four hours on a Sunday (laughs) to watch some game. How am I? Yeah, I get it. It's entertainment and entertainment value. But I'd rather go read something or go watch a documentary or go have an intelligent meal with somebody. And so it goes back to trade offs. What, What are you? Trading, you know, gaming, God bless, you know, my son loves to play a bunch of games and I'm trying to help him understand how are you better off from doing that versus somehow investing in your own personal and professional growth. So it's a trade-off for all of us. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what do you prioritize? What do you value? Where are you going? And and the old adage, if you don't know where you're going, any direction will get you there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get clarity on that direction, on that destination, on that path forward? What is your journey from now to next? What is that next? And by the way, you can't be me just like I can be you. Mm-hmm. So it's, what's absolutely. the best version of you? What is the next best version of you look like? And how do we become intentional about that path? And if you do that, Alex, you'd be amazed of how much further you'll be a year from now, right? Whether it's education or your relationships or the kind of work that you're doing or kinds of clients and and partners or investors you're involved with, all of those things come from that relationship ecosystem, as you mentioned. Look, I, I, oh my God, there's there's not enough time in the day, or at least in this podcast. Uh, I, there's another question I want to slide in here, but I, I want to say real one real quick point. Everything you're talking about, I think the foundation of it comes to, to honesty, is being honest. And I'm not talking about being honest to someone else, someone, your mom, your dad, your husband, whatever. Honesty with yourself is what I'm doing right now benefiting me. And if it's not, that's okay. That's your choice. But at least consciously make that decision versus just being mad at the world that you haven't attained what you wanted to attain and so on and so forth. No, no question. In Curve Bender's 
I wrote several sections on your personal market value. So what are you worth today? Mm-hmm. And, and how do we raise that value? And there's actually three distinct sections. There's nine areas that you can focus on. And it all starts with a candid assessment of yourself by yourself. Not, not, not judgmental by somebody else. Not forget so-and-so got promoted or so-and-so got hired or they got, you know, it does your own scorecard, your own assessment of how am I doing against these things? How am I? And that should really set the stage, set the tone for where you choose to focus, where you choose to prioritize. You know, you can keep complaining about the money you're not making, or you know what? You can go get an MBA or you can go get a certification of some sort where there's a demand in the market for it and make twice what you're making today in less than a year from now. That's not an opinion. That is data that we found, data that proves areas such as healthcare, areas such as, again, cybersecurity and technology in general, areas such as, you're not going to believe this one. Um, I spoke for the Metal Building Manufacturers Association, right? These people put up metal Mm -hmm. building. Mm -hmm. Alex, they're turning away business because they can't find enough welders. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, no, weld and they get paid and welders right. get paid. Right. So I found out <laughs> I'm a big Mike Rowe fan. And he, you know, he talks about not every not every kid is destined for college and we're gonna need the, the, the blue collar jobs. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly plumbing, HVAC, yep, field service technicians. Uh, I've got another client that manufactures elevators and escalators, right? They have more people retiring, the silver tsunami. Mm-hmm. Then they mm-hmm. have young people coming in as apprentices. I have another client that's recruiting from middle school. They're bringing kids in from middle school for after school programs and summer programs to get them introduced to their field because they fear in just a few years, they're not going to be enough of these technicians to work on their equipment. Yeah. So regardless of what you're doing, I'm going to reiterate what I just said. If you don't have some clarity as to where you're going and some sort of path of how you're going to get there, how will you know where to invest? How will you invest in that personal and professional growth to really become the best version of you? Look, I'm going to slip in that last question, but I'll just say really quick, like E40 said, everybody got choices. Okay. So the last question, I'm trying to slip in here real quick. You don't hail from the US. I I don't. I'm originally from Iran. uh, Alex, I came uh, with a hundred bucks, a suitcase, didn't know anybody, didn't speak a word of English. I came as a teenager, lived with an aunt and uncle that I hadn't seen since birth. I finished high school here, got my Eagle Scout here, university, undergrad, early part of my career was technology, sales and sales management. I saw guys twice my age doing the exact same thing. I said, I want more. Mm-hmm. So I went the consulting route, got a master's degree. Got recruited as president of a company, spent some time in the tech space and the private equity world. And 20 years ago, I was blessed to hang my own shingles to do growth consulting and coaching and speaking and write the book. I'm the poster child for the American <laughs> dream. And a day doesn't go by that I don't feel incredibly blessed for the opportunities that I've just, I've been lucky. That's the only way I can describe it. Lucky enough to get these opportunities and then hopefully work my tail off to take advantage of it. Well. I wanted to ask you, you came over, like you said, high school, you, you weren't, you weren't a baby. You, you had been in a completely different culture, space, languages and everything. I would like to ask you, do you believe that the life you had before coming here impacted 
how you go about building relationships. Did your past, did that have anything to do with how you go about navigating today? Uh, Unequivocally, yes. So again, if you or your audience have lived abroad, if you've worked abroad, this next statement I think is going to really resonate in that the rest of the world, Alex, builds relationships first from which they do business. Unfortunately, as Americans or even Westerners, we're so focused on the business that if and only if the business part works, we'll ask about your family Mm. and how you doing this weekend and where'd you grow up and do you have siblings? And so there's a disconnect when we go into places and people don't look like us, sound like us or come from our background. So I, I wrote it in my, my first book, Relationship Economics. I think I was five or six years old, walking through bazaars of Iran with my dad on our Friday errands. And I didn't get it then. But beyond the list that mom would give him of the things to buy for the house or the projects that he was working on, dad also had a relationship list. And he wanted to make sure we went and saw the key people, whether it was a plumber or a politician, yeah. the people that were important to his life in that ecosystem, he wanted to make sure we went and saw and sat and had tea with, and we got caught up. And so, yes, my nature, where I come from, was the foundation for the way I build relationships. My nurture, where I've been raised, where I grew up, and how I've seen relationships impact lives, careers, promotions, growth education, opportunities, as you said, getting access to better jobs, different jobs, different companies, different opportunities Mm -hmm. made me focus on how do we build a repeatable, predictable process that could be learned and that could be applied by anyone. (sighs) You're awesome. Look, David. It takes one to know one. (laughs) It takes one to know one. Alex Tremble is in the house. (laughs) Well, look, I want to open the floor to you. I, I know you're about to jump on a, on a private jet and head somewhere fancy, but is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with as we begin to wrap up? I want to, I want to, I want to give them, I think, three nuggets that I hope will resonate. And these are, these are things that I've learned or I've picked up over the years. Number one, we're all products of the advice we take. So who are you listening to? Who is influencing your thinking, your language, your action? Number two, a mentor drove into me years ago, throw away your stopwatch and get a compass. It doesn't matter how fast you do something. It absolutely matters where you're going, Wow, how you're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. Number three, beyond your educational foundation, that's critical. Beyond your professional pedigree, that's really important. Your portfolio of relationships is your biggest asset. It's your only sustainable differentiator. It can open unbelievable doors. It can create unbelievable access. It can present opportunities you wouldn't have otherwise if you don't identify, nurture, sustain great relationships. Whether you're 18 or you're 58, it's never too young, early, it's never too late. And those relationships will absolutely set you apart. So I hope those three are useful to you and your audience. David, if there is one person who didn't find those three useful, I'm going to challenge him to stop, push, pause, rewind this and listen to this entire interview again, because you missed something. You must have been asleep. The reality is you are awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, everyone, for being here and listening and being on this learning journey with us. I greatly appreciate it until you know what's about to come next. Don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value in our time here today, 
Don't keep it to yourself. Don't say, hey, that person back there or that person over there, they should have been here. Don't don't do that. If you found value, bring this to them and bring them to here and say, hey, you need to listen to this episode because David and Alex was dropping some bombs. Okay, don't just look back, reach back as I end every one of our sessions. Stay strong, stay positive and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.